0: Region play is fully underway, and in this, the Week 8 High School Football Preview Podcast, we will break the show in, into three parts. In the first part, we will preview key games coming up this week, including two that AUGB ball will feature in their entirety. Those will be the Burke County versus Harlem matchup in Waynesboro Friday, and the Laney-Josie rivalry game, which will be played Thursday. Also during the first part of the show, I'll touch on key games from around the area, including those involving Thompson, Hepzibah, and Westside, and then from the South Carolina side, schools like South Aiken, North Augusta, Strom Thurmond, Ridge Spring Moneta, and Wagner Sally. During the middle part of the show, I'll review some of last week's biggest happenings, like number three Silver Bluff's. Pounding of number 10, Wade Hampton, and big wins by Evans and Greenbrier, as well as strong individual outings by Xavier Green of Westside and Zach Blackwell of Augusta Christian. Finally, we'll end with an interview with Harlem's second-year head coach, Mark Boyder, who talks about his team's strong start it's challenge Friday in Waynesboro and a favorite player of mine to watch this season a real do-it-all star junior Jonathan Howard. Okay let's start breaking down some of this week's games and how they affect the region races. So we'll start with this Burke County Harlem game in Waynesboro. Now when the season first started I didn't think I would be featuring this game, but Harlem has really been a surprise story. So here we are approaching a three-week span in which Harlem will play Burke County, and then next week, Burke County will play number 7 Thompson, the region's favorite. And then the week after that, October 22nd, Thompson will take on Harlem. So those three teams have a little round-robin three-week affair that will likely decide um go go a long way in deciding who wins that region who gets the number two spot in that region remember the first two spots um mean home games in the state playoffs four teams make it to the playoffs from each region so harlem comes into this game two and zero in region play four and two overall and Burke County comes into this game three and one overall one and oh in region play Thompson uh two and oh in region play they're playing Cross Creek I expect them to get a win and Hepsiba is playing Hepsiba's one and zero after beating Morgan County last week Hepsiba lost to Morgan County a playoff team a year ago well Hepsiba um, takes on Richmond on television Friday night. And if they can get a win there and go to 2 and 0 later on in this, in the, in the, in the month, when this round robin between Burke County, Harlem and Thompson gets finished, Hepsiba will get its chance at those teams. And, you know, so I, I count the Rebels as a dark horse in this thing. Now we'll go in depth later with. Harlem head coach Mark Boyder, but um, now let's do a little tale of the tape when it comes to Burke County and Harlem. In my opinion, these two teams are very similar. Both of them have very capable offenses. They average right under four hundred yards per game. The both of them, and they do it in much the same way. So. Burke County rushes for about 270 yards per game, Harlem 230. Burke County throws for about 130 yards per game, Harlem 150. And um, and they both do a good job in the turnover battle. We'll get to some of that with Mark Boyder later from Harlem's perspective, but I'll say here that Burke County has yet to throw in an interception, and they've only lost one fumble on the season – Harlem, on the other hand, they've turned it over six times, but they've taken it away from their opponents fifteen times. So um there are no slouches in that department either. Now that's kind of the offense, the the similarities in the two offenses. Let's get to personnel. I I name I'm gonna name fourteen players between the two teams. Eleven of these guys are not seniors. And so these two teams will be good, in my opinion, you know, for at least a couple years and um, probably after that as well. So there's a lot of similarities in personnel. Both teams rely on a junior quarterback, a very good junior quarterback, Burke County with Marshall Flowers, Harlem with Ryan Newman. Both teams rely on two good running backs, Burke County, Eldrick, Tiger Williams, and Charlie Dorsey, and Harlem, Jason Williams, and Jacorius Boyd. Williams and Boyd are both averaging over 100 yards per game rushing. Then what, they both, both teams have a, a really good possession receiver, if you will. Cohen Rogers, a junior at Burke County, very fun to watch, and Brett Sterner with Harlem now both of those guys also do kicking duties for their teams both teams have a, a big play receiver I would say Jalen Golfin for Burke County has gotten loose for a couple touchdown receptions already deep balls from Marshall Flowers and then on the other side Jonathan Howard who we'll talk a lot about today uh, Jonathan Howard has a flair for the big play on the outside for Harlem both Teams also have kind of a, a big play machine on the defensive line with Burke County. That's Ivan Arroyo and with Harlem, Vondre Thomas. And then defensive backs, Jaden Middleton for Burke County and Jonathan Howard again for Harlem. Those guys make plays, you know, in the, from the secondary. So we'll get to Coach Boyder later, but now let's get to the rest of these games that we're taking a look at this week. Laney and Josie are playing on Thursday night. Nothing needs to be said about that rivalry game. It's a bitter rivalry. It's an intense rivalry. I'll be there just like I'll be at the Burke County Harlem game. I'll be at the Laney Josie game Thursday night. And what we have in that class two A region is Laney and West Side trying to avoid an upset this week. Laney trying to avoid the upset from Josie. Westside trying to avoid the upset from Butler. And if those two teams can do that, they'll meet next week at West Side, and the winner of that game will be poised to make a run as we go into the later parts of the season. Laney and Westside are both playoff favorites. The, the question is can one of those two teams get into a, a top two spot or an unseat Putnam County or Jefferson County? and get a home playoff game. Now, so I mentioned next week Laney and Westside playing each other. The week after that, October 22nd, Putnam County will play Jefferson County. Now, Putnam County is right now positioned as the favorite, the number 10 team in Class 2A. But Jefferson County has won the last three region titles, and they've yet to lose in the region this year. But, you know, when it, when it comes to October 22nd, they'll get Putnam County. Two teams who, have as of right now, are undefeated. And then they'll have to finish with Westside and Laney. So Jefferson County can earn it, but they'll have to earn it in those last three weeks. Putnam County's in the driver's seat. Laney and Westside, who both have recorded losses against Putnam County already, are kind of on the outside looking in. But, you know, if they can avoid upset this week, um, the, the winner of the game between them next week will be poised to make a run in the final weeks of the season. Now let's go to the South Carolina side. We'll start from the smallest schools and go to the largest. In Class 1A Region 3, what a great region that is. What an entertaining region that is. I hate to miss these two games this week. Number three, Ridge Spring Moneta is going to host Calhoun County. Moneta is... Five and one overall, two and zero in region play. Calhoun County's one and one, coming off a victory over uh, Blackville Hilda last week, who was ranked number ten at the time. Well, uh, and then also you have Wagner Sally, who's two and zero, playing against Denmark Olar, who's two and one. Now, why is this such an entertaining region? Well, I'll tell you. Look at these points per game in region play. Wagner Sally is averaging 53 points per game in region play. Denmark olar their opponent this week, is averaging 66 points per game in region play. Number three, Ridge Spring Manetta is averaging 46 a game, and that doesn't count of uh, what a. 58 point outburst against top 10 team Louisville before region play got started and their opponent this weekend Calhoun County is averaging 38 and believe it or not that that uh represents a low scoring output in this explosive region Moving on to class 3A where Strom Thurmond, the rebels get a crack this weekend at home against Brooklyn Casey. Now, Brooklyn Casey's ranked number six in the state and Strom Thurmond was able to beat Brooklyn Casey last year. If they can do that again, they'll get a shot at Orangeburg Wilkinson next week who beat Strom Thurmond last year. And if they can get past Orangeburg Wilkinson, they'll take on Gilbert, October 22nd, the following week, and Gilbert is ranked number seven. They're the defending region champion. I was a little surprised to see Brooklyn Casey ranked higher than Gilbert this week. So the Rebels of Strom Thurmond not ranked, but they have everything in front of them lined up to make a run in region play, starting with number six, Brooklyn Casey, this weekend and progressing to Orangeburg, Wilkerson, and Gilbert after that. Finally, when it comes to previewing games this weekend, you've got in class 4A on the South Carolina side, you've got defending region champion North Augusta opening region play at home against Airport. Airport beat Midland Valley last week. So they come in one and oh in region play. The Yellow Jackets are two and four. Um, they've had a tough schedule. They go into region play looking to reestablish their leadership in that region. But the team, in addition to Airport at 1-0, the other team that's 1-0 in region play is South Aiken, who North Augusta will play the following week, by the way, October 15th. But South Aiken beat rival Aiken last week 21-0, to and that was enough with South Aiken being 3-1 and overall. That was enough to get South Aiken some votes in the top 10 poll this week for the first time. Again, if we see North Augusta open with a win um, against Airport, that sets up a big uh, rivalry game between North Augusta and South Aiken October 15th um, that will mean a lot in the standings of that region. South Aiken, by the way, is taking on Real River Bluff this weekend in a non-region matchup. Now, before we get to our interview with Coach Boyder of Harlem, let's uh, touch on some items from last week that were noteworthy. First of all, Evans topped rival Grovetown to open region play in the 6A, in the Class 6A region on the Georgia side. Now, Evans is the three-time defending region champion in that in that league, and um, the Knights improved to five and one. They've got uh, uh, Georgia High School Football Daily gives them a seventy-two percent chance of winning that region, and um, they'll be off this weekend. Greenbrier going to Class Five A. Greenbrier has notched two straight region victories after opening with a loss to Loganville. They beat Greenbrier beat. Um, apalachie last friday on a field goal a 35 yard field goal that put them ahead in the final minute on the snap for that field goal was carson meddings the hold was done by brooks kramer and the kick itself by wilson donnelly who also doubles as the team's backup quarterback he's a sophomore 35 yard kick one of the best kickers in uh, around here and that was a big one because Greenbrier is um is positioned well now to earn a top 2 seed and get a home game in the playoffs. Now they have what four more region games left, so there's a lot of work left to do. The net, Greenbriers off this Friday, they'll take on overwhelming favorite Clark central um, the following Friday, October 15th on the road. Clark central, according to Georgia high school football daily has a 98% chance of winning that region. Well, but greenbrier will have uh, something to say about that in a couple Fridays. And as importantly, they're like I said, they're positioned to make a solid run for that number two spot in the region. If they can't get past Clark central now, um, Before we get to a couple individual performances from last Friday, I encourage you to check out the YouTube video that I put into this post, um, down in the show notes or the show outline. And that was from Northeast 27, Northeast Macon's 27-23 comeback win over Washington County. Washington County ranked number 10 in class 2A took a 23 to six was it? Yeah, twenty-three to six. No, yeah, a twenty-three to six lead over Northeast Macon with seven minutes twenty-six seconds left in the game. Northeast Macon runs off three straight touchdowns in the final seven minutes. Um, we've got that whole game uh, breakdown on YouTube, and you should check that out. Northeast Macon now becomes the favorite in that region, uh, and 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 finally, you know the. Just a very impressive showing that I was witness to, um, from Silver Bluff, class two A's third ranked team, just really pounded Wade Hampton 40 to 14 at home. Wade Hampton coming in as the number 18. They're the number 10 team now. Silver Bluff was, you know, so impressive. You know, we hear a lot about Travion Dunbar, or I'm sorry, Trayvon Dunbar, and he didn't disappoint. He had, 23 carries for 219 yards and three touchdowns, all three of the scores coming in the fourth quarter. But, you know, it was a real team effort. Uh, Malik Williams was great from the QB position, two touchdown passes over 200 yards passing. And Silver Bluffs' defense, its front especially, was just absolutely dominant. The Bulldogs outgained... Uh, outgained Wade Hampton something like 480 yards to 130 yards of total offense and Wade Hampton uh, you know went on a 50 yard drive in the final five minutes when the game was well in hand so before that that drive at the end um, Silver Bluff had held Wade Hampton to fewer than a hundred yards in, in total offense now looking ahead just a little bit a third team in that region and it's a team that's local. Barnwell, they're ranked number eight in the class now, and they will play against Silver Bluff. They'll host Silver Bluff October 15th. So looking ahead a little bit at an exciting one there. Silver Bluff has, you know, state championship hopes, um, in their, in their future, but they'll have to get past Barnwell and their other region opponents first. Now let's get to our interview with Coach Mark Boyder, the second year head coach at Harlem. Um, Harlem, as we cover in the interview, they've gone from two and eight last season to starting off at four and two this season. They've been very impressive. And you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, how I didn't expect to be covering the Burke County Harlem game. Uh, Friday night when the season first began and that was because I didn't expect Harlem to be as good as they've been but you know it, actually the more I think about it it really is kind of a a toss-up type game because you know I look in Georgia High School Football Daily they do this thing called an improvement tracker and it's it's not Harlem it's Burke County who is one of the five teams that the, that the newsletter is tracking is making you know, the biggest improvement, one of the five teams in class 3A that they're tracking is making the biggest improvement year over year. So it's Burke County, who was the fourth team in that, in that region last year. It's Burke County after starting three and one that, um, that, that that, that newsletter is tracking is making a big improvement. So I'll talk to Coach Boyder about, uh, Harlem's reversal in fortunes this year and I'll talk, we'll talk about, he'll educate me a little bit on the game itself, and we'll talk about Jonathan Howard a little bit at the end. Um, hey, follow AUGB ball, the social media accounts, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to the newsletter at, um, AUGBball.substack.com, and you'll get full Reports from the Laney-Josie game from Thursday night. You'll get that in your inbox Friday morning, and you'll get a full report from the Burke County-Harlem game Friday night. You'll get that in your inbox Saturday morning, and I'll see you in the field. Let's cut to the interview with Coach Boyder. So, Coach, at four and two overall, you've already doubled your win total from last season, and you've started two and zero in region play by winning those games by a combined score of seventy eight to six. Is it fair to say that the Bulldogs and their fans are riding high as you continue through this crucial step, crucial stretch of region play, where the next stop is Waynesboro against Burke County Friday night?
1: Uh, absolutely,
0: uh, we've got a lot of. Uh,
1: people that are really excited um, both within our program and outside of our program um I'm, I'm of course happy and ecstatic our other coaches and booster club and players are ecstatic too to have already doubled our win total just six games into the season from last year um, we are in a very tough stretch of region games coming up um, really the rest of the way nobody in our region is really going to just lay down for you everybody's well coach everybody plays hard so We're we're excited about Friday night and trying to continue the streak that we're on. Uh, We know that Burke County is a really tough opponent. They've got a great program. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of excitement around the program right
0: now. Uh,
1: Kids are continuing to work hard, and it's exciting.
0: Yeah, before we get to Burke County, I want to ask one more question about the season in general. You you mentioned in our post-game interview after the win at Greenbrier how even though you only won two last season, you actually had a chance to win a great many of those games that didn't go your way. Um, so I think about this season, and I'll ask if you feel like even this year that you're maybe a play here or a play there away from maybe even being 6-0 and right now.
1: I mean, yeah, there's things that could have happened um, in both of our losses um, that could have made the outcome of those games go our way. Uh, if you look at the game against Evans, we had um, um, two guys, uh, two starters in our secondary um, that were out because of COVID protocol, um, which hurt us a little bit and uh, preventing some of Evans' big plays. Um, but we missed a field goal with uh, less than three minutes to go in the game. Um, so that made things uh, a little more difficult and then, you know, not being able to uh, finish the drive against Lincoln County. Um, in the end, we had a dropped touchdown pass potentially um, off the chest of a receiver um, right there at the end of the game with six seconds left, and that could result in tying up the game. So we've had some chances. Um, I think we've played well enough overall to be 6-0, but at the same time, we're happy to be
0: 4-2. Yeah. Now, Coach, who, who are those uh, two secondary guys that were out at that Evans game? Cause I, I was there, and I'm just curious about that.
1: Uh we are missing uh our free safety, um Holden Rippy, and one of our strong safeties, Jordan Bowers. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah,
0: Holden had a huge hit I saw um on the news last week in the uh, yes. w- w- uh maybe it was the Richmond game. Was it the Richmond game or the cross creek? Yeah. It was at Richmond. Yeah, yeah, it was a big hit. Um okay, well um and then okay, so turning to Friday Friday night's game. Humor me for a second here while I try to ask, you know, what I hope is an intelligent football question. Hopefully it's maybe just not a dumb one. Um, So I I look at your offense. (laughs) Yeah. So I look at your offense versus Burke County's. And, you know, like against Lincoln County, John Hart on the television broadcast, he talked about your time of possession, you know, possessing the ball so much more than Lincoln County. Obviously I know that game. Just barely didn't go your way, but I felt like that was the case in the Evans game and maybe the Greenbrier game as well. And um, and you know I, I have this memory of you guys. You know you finish a play, you huddle up and you get back to it. You you emphasize the run. You can pass, you do pass well, but you emphasize the run and, and and eat up that clock. Whereas Burke County, I was just at their game against Benedictine last week and. They kind of hurry to the line of scrimmage after every play. I want to say they they don't huddle on a frequent basis. Um, So kind of two different, if I'm right about that, kind of two different ways of going about it. And um, if I could just get your uh, take on, like, what the advantage you see and, you know, the way you guys play, if I I have that right, and and then, you know, what you can do to kind of neutralize the advantage that Burke County tries to get by playing with, I guess, what they call uh, a quicker tempo. Yeah, um, well, we're no huddle as well.
1: Um, we signal everything in. We don't okay. huddle up and call the play in the huddle. Um, but the way that we kind of have things set up is that we're able to go as fast or as slow as we want to. Um, there have been times on certain drives against certain teams where we've gone a lot faster, or you know, we'll try to speed things up when we get in the red zone, uh, things like that. Um, but you know, there's just times when we're also, you know, even you know, not when it's necessarily the end of the game, but. The beginning of the game where we're trying to eat more clock, um, take up a little bit more time, like you talked about, try to control the time of possession, have that on our side throughout the game. Um, and, and really it's about, you know, helping our defense out at the same time. You know, a lot of times we just feel like um, our best defense can be a good offense sometimes where we're just trying to limit the number of possessions that our opponents get. And, you know, that can be important. Uh, I guess a team like Burke County that does go, a little bit faster than us, um, that does try to get more plays run in a shorter amount of time, um, looking to maybe score quicker on most of their possessions. Um, So that will be important for us um, Friday night, uh, controlling not only the line of scrimmage, but controlling the clock and maintaining possession of the ball.
0: Great. Well, I guess before we go, I just touch on one more thing. You know, I talk about, um, the, the offenses of both of your teams, you know, very capable, uh, you know, well over 300 yards on, on a regular basis, sometimes over 400 for, for both of you in total yards. And then the turnover, um, you, you know, both of you guys do a really good job of taking care of the ball, um, uh, timeliness of turnovers. I, I kind of have noted, uh, being at, uh being at the Evans game and then uh watching the Lincoln County game on T V, uh, you know, that Jason Williams, you know, and not to single a guy out for making a mistake. Jason Williams is one of the best running backs around. He's had a great season, one of two guys that you have that average over a hundred yards per game. But you know, he you know he, he caught it up on the way into the end zone on that first series and, and then uh I think I think there was an interception at the end of that Lincoln County game that hurt you on the second to last uh series. So you don't turn it over much, but the timeliness uh in, in a way has come back to bite you and um how important will it be to uh win that turnover battle on friday night oh that's that's a
1: really a a big point of emphasis for us and has been all season I, last year um our turnover margin was just i mean really in the negative. we turned the ball over so much more than the turnovers that we created pretty much in every ball game. Which is one of the major reasons of why we did finish two and eight last year. I think the biggest thing so far this year is that we've won the turnover margin uh in every game so far, um, even in our two losses as well. Um, with the well, with the exception of maybe the Evans game. Um and, and I think that overall has has been so important for us, not only on offense, holding on to the ball, um, not forcing throws, uh, even even the interception that we did have against Lincoln County was a, you know, just a great play, tipped by the linebacker, um, and then picked off by the corner. Another throw that could have easily gone for a touchdown, um, but the linebacker made a good play. Um, so I, I think that's been big for us, but defensively, just the number of turnovers that we've been able to create on defense and the time that those turnovers have come have really benefited us. I mean, you're talking, we were down two scores at the start of the fourth quarter against Greenbrier. Uh, and then we forced a fumble, we recovered it, and then had a, a big interception. We scored on both of those drives um, to take the lead and, and to win the football game. So that's been big for us all season. Um, hopefully the turnover margin will continue to be on the plus side for us, um, but we'll need to create turnovers, and we'll need to eliminate any of ours if we're going to have a chance to win the game.
0: Yeah, that turnover margin, I, I did just note that um, you've uh, forced and recovered eight fumbles by, by my stat, recovered eight and uh, and and picked off seven balls already as opposed to only six uh, turnovers for your team, so 15 to six. I, I totally get wh- wh- what you mean there as far as winning that battle. And, you know, before I let you go, so one person that really comes to mind, player that really comes to mind in winning that battle I know he hasn't accounted for all the turnovers, but uh, Jonathan Howard has been, in my opinion, kind of one of the most exciting players to watch throughout the area this season. Um, You know, and it wasn't even a turnover that uh, this one play, but, you know, the the only guy I've seen go up high and uh, break up a pass in the end zone against uh, Greenbrier's Davin Driscoll was Jonathan Howard back in the corner of the end zone in the third quarter of that win against Greenbrier. And, um, you know, anything to say about Jonathan? Because I've, I've really, you know, whether it be on TV or the two games I've seen in person, I've really enjoyed uh, watching him play this season.
1: You know, we have we have several guys that do have to play both ways, but I don't think anybody has played more snaps for us um, than Jonathan Howard has. Um, he is just so important for us on both sides of the ball. Um, defensively, like you said, he, he leads our team in pass breakups um he's had interceptions as well um he's a really good tackler on the outside uh i know that as we've gotten you know later into the season that the ball hasn't been thrown as much his way you know they've been trying to to take shots other places other teams have just because of his production so far early in the season and offensively i mean he's our leading receiver as well um so he he really helps us and he plays special teams too so he really helps us in all three phases of the game and uh, he is vital to our success
0: yeah, um, it, it, when it comes to that, uh, I, I I totally understand why teams would start to throw away from him. Does he uh, do you, do, you do anything? Um, I mean, do, how do you imagine? Another dumb football question by me, the basketball guy. Um, <laughs> do, when you've got a guy like that, do you single out which receiver you want to put him on, or does he play on one side predominantly? How how do you position a playmaker like that in the defensive secondary?
1: Uh I think it varies to game to game. Um, we just kind of have to break down and look at different tendencies um, that each team has or or doesn't have. Um, there have been times where, um, you know, we'll try to get him matched up on a certain receiver. Um, I know against Greenbrier, you know, talking they have uh, Leverett and Driscoll. So if they have both of them split out, you know, we've only got uh, one Jonathan Howard. So we have to kind of pick our poison there. Um there have been times where you know we've played him on certain um, sides of the ball, not just for his coverage ability, um, but for how he impacts um, opponents' run games as well. How good he is tackling on the edge. So, you know, we've faced run-heavy teams that you know have a particular side they like to run the ball. You know where their strength is on the offensive line, and we've played him on that side for different reasons. If we try to move him around a little bit um, so that you know the teams can't just completely game plan around him. Um, but he he does a good job for us no matter where he's
0: at. Yeah, what a great player. What what an exciting bunch. We didn't get into all the other guys, but, you know, your backs, Boyd and Williams and Newman has really uh, impressed me as a thrower and Brett Sterner and – I hope I'm saying it right, Vondre, Thomas, and, and all these guys. You, you've got a ton of good players, and, and they're really producing on the field this year. So I wish you the best of luck Friday night, and I'll see you over there in the Bear den
1: All right, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs>